wrap-up and Monday Night Madness on Beyond the Airwaves, The Infinity Project. Good evening, everybody. It is Monday night. Yeah, you know what that means. It's time for another long work week. Uh-huh. So, just... We'll get through this week. Anyway, this is Beyond the Airways, the Infinity Project. And because it's Monday, that means it's time for Weekend Wrap-Up and Monday Night Madness. I'm your host for tonight. I am Oddball Stream. I'm currently joined by Red Ranger Tim. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, my dear. Our resident easy magician is having a late dinner. She will join us eventually. Don't worry. Because let's face it, life goes first, as always. Alright, so anyway, <sighs> let's see, first thing to do, um, I did get a little bit of impact from Barry, but just in the form of some heavy rain, had some had a few thunderstorms here and there, but nothing really serious, not like, not like Louisiana, but boy, New Orleans basically dodged a huge bullet, they, they were predicting a lot of rain, thankfully it didn't happen, so it's like, Hallelujah, at least New Orleans got spared the brunt. But, you know, I think the governor said it best when he said it's only July. There's still a long way to go in this hurricane season. So it's like, don't celebrate yet. Uh oh. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. I thought yeah. I thought I had dead I thought I went dead. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, the first thing I want to do is the one thing I always love to do, the box office. We start Woo. with the top, and we'll go to the bottom. All right. So, of course, at the very top, Spider-Man Far From Home won again, but this time it only made $45.3 million. However, the total gross in the U.S. alone is $274.6 million, and the worldwide is over eight hundred fifty million. Oh my! Yeah, so it looks like Spider-Man: Far From Home could be the next movie, the next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that actually gets to the to the uh, one billion mark worldwide. And let's see, at number two, oops, I think Janet's here. Yep, there she is. Hello. Yep. Boo. Hello, everybody. Boo-hoo. Boo hoo! Don't cry, oh, I'm God. here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't cry. Oh boy, I don't think the Sheridan's gonna get used for Dragon Con. Uh, that's gonna depend. There's still 44 days, so we'll just have to wait and see. Good news is they haven't exactly they haven't exactly planned panels yet either. So if push comes to shove, they'll think of something. All right. So anyway, besides, I think the, the only reason I go to the Sheridan is to pick up the badge. All right, so anyway, uh, I was just starting with the box office. Spider-Man Far From Home won with $45.3 million. And let's see, uh, Toy Story 4 made $21 million to make the number two. Number three is Crawl, which made $12 million, which is actually not bad because the budget was only 13.5. So another few days, it'll break it easy. Let's see. And then the number four movie was Stuber. That's that one with uh, Dave Bautista. That made $8.2 million. And finally, the number five movie was Yesterday, which made $6.7 million. 
Now, um, just something interesting. Annabelle Comes Home is still in the top ten. She's at number seven. She made five point six million dollars. There's an interesting reason why I'm, I've come I've I've come across Annabelle Comes Home. I did not know this until I saw a video over the weekend. The Annabelle doll shows up in both Aquaman and Shazam. What? Oh my! Yeah. You see, I saw I saw the video now. Now, Tim, I can't really tell you about Shazam because I'd spoil it for you almost. But um. Yeah, I don't want spoilers. Right, but I will tell you this: uh, Annabelle. Now, in the Aquaman movie, Annabelle is under is underwater, and in Shazam, Annabelle shows up in a toy store. So it's like, hmm, is it possible that Annabelle is now a member of the DC universe? <laughs> mm, that's a possibility. Very, very, very good question. Yeah, and here's something else to consider. Uh, Patrick Wilson, he plays Ocean Master and Aquaman. Plays, oh, what was that guy's name? Um, oh, what's his name? Ed Warren. Is it Ed Warren? Ed Warren, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he plays Ed Warren. In the in the so it's like Annabelle, his show, Annabelle and Patrick Wilson work, work together. <laughs> technically, they are a member yeah. of the. So technically, they are a member of the. Uh, this yeah. uh, the cinematic universe. Yeah, seems that way. Maybe the world maybe the world's weirdest crossover. I don't think it'll ever happen, but. <laughs> well, you know what. But well, maybe maybe she won't show up as the haunted doll, but show up as in the scenery, so to speak. Yeah, that's what yeah, she does in both cases. Yes, that's what she actually does. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's an Easter egg rather than actual appearance because yeah, um, Patrick Wilson plays Ed Warren, but. Mm-hmm. In the DC universe, he might be playing a completely different character, so that might be right. a throwback to to the Annabelle movies. Mm-hmm. And then, let me ask you this question, Charlie. And okay. This is not a spoiler in any way, shape, or form. I, mean, mm-hmm. I would avoid too much elaboration in your answer, but mm-hmm. just simple yes or no will not spoil anything. Okay. It, is Annabelle portrayed? In, well, you, you already established that she's in the background. Yeah. Is she, A, ever referred to as Annabelle? No. And B, is it the Annabelle from the Annabelle, rather than I should say the Conjuring Universe movies, or is it a Raggedy Ann doll? No, it's the actual Annabelle doll. So it's a Raggedy Ann doll, not the one yeah. from the movie. Right. Okay, then, yeah, it's probably just an Easter egg then. Yeah. Hey, I got a question. Shoot. Could Annabelle technically be the bride of Chucky? No, maybe. (laughs) I was trying to crack Mm. a funny. (laughs) She might be worse than Chucky. Yeah. It could be like this, Annabelle and Chucky sitting in a tree. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, my. 
But instead of K-I-S-S-I-N-G, it could be K-I-L-L-I-N-G. Point taken. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. All right. Well, anyway, um, it's time for my favorite part of all this. When we go to the bottom of the heap. Oh, my. That's right, folks. We have seven movies here listed that made under $1,000, and there are two movies that made under $100. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, right now, here we go. First, we have The River and the Wall that made $771. Then we have Yamadine, $667. Rafiki, $630. The Competition, $550. Pasolini, $468. Then Grass made $63. That's that's the first of the under $100 movies. But the second one, well, let's put it to you this way. For the third week in a row, the winner, I mean the loser, is the Wandering Soap Opera. Forty-four bucks. Oh, my. So all I got to say to that is... Shut up! (laughs) Yeah. For the third week in a row, the one soap opera has just $44, but amazingly, it jumped 76%. (laughs) You mean it did better this week, this Monday, than it did last week? Yep. Damn. (laughs) I bet everybody's just rushing to the cinema to see that one now. Yeah. At least the the four or five, maybe six people. And that's only and that's with half of them kicking and screaming. Yeah. But yeah, I'm let's see, I'm gonna use my calculator here. How many let's see. Uh, let's see, forty five, forty five, three five three, three five nine, divided by forty four at the very bottom. Let's see. It would take if if the one we soap opera ever wanted to match Spider Man, it would have to be it have to go by at least one million one million thirty thousand seven hundred fifty eight point sixteen percent. Ah, it doesn't stand a chance. Not a chance in hell, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um. Okay, I found this yesterday, and I swear to God, this is going to make you laugh so hard, okay? I'm going to put the link in the chat. I'm going to speak into the chat. I need to check. Okay, Einstein's not there yet, but um, I'll put it to you this way. Um, Somebody was trying to make one of those academic papers and such. Uh I'll put it this way. the, here's the here's the headline: Non-peer-reviewed manuscript falsely claims natural cloud changes can explain global warming. Oh, brother, this thing got shot down in a hurry. <laughs> oh my! I think I read that yesterday. Yeah, I swear this is going to make you laugh. <laughs> okay, so here's the claim: During the last hundred years, the temperatures increased about point. 
one degrees Celsius because of carbon dioxide. The human contribution was out 0.01 degrees Celsius. Verdict is incorrect. Ooh. So, here's what's going on. Uh, flawed reasoning. The author's argument claims a correlation between cloud cover, relative humidity, and global temperature proves that the former caused the latter without investigating whether they have the relationship backwards. Inadequate support. The source of their claimed global cloud data set is not given, and no research on their proposed mechanism for climate change is cited. Fails to provide correct physical explanation. The manuscript incorrectly claims that the rise of atmospheric carbon dioxide is caused by release from ocean waters. It also provides no explanation for the claim that an increase in relative humidity causes increase in relative humidity causes is the damn temperature to feel hotter. <laughs> so, uh, warming related to human activities is estimated to be around one degree Celsius over the past century. This document claims to overturn decades of scientific findings, but provides neither the source of the data it uses nor the physics responsible for the proposed relationship between clouds and global temperature. So, here's what's going on. Some news outlets are publishing articles stating that this claim is based on a new study. In reality, there is no new published study. The claim comes from a six-page document uploaded to ARXIV, a website traditionally used by scientists to make manuscripts available before publication. This means that this article has not been peer-reviewed, so there is no guarantee to its credibility. If the blogs that covered this as a new study had contacted independent scientists for insight instead of accepting this short document as revolutionary science, they would have found that it does not have any scientific credibility. As the scientists who examined this claim explained, the document relies on circular reasoning to claim that cloud cover and relative humidity have caused the change in global temperature and ignores many additional factors affecting global temperature, including aerosol pollution, volcanic eruptions, and natural ocean oscillations. The published peer-reviewed scientific research on this topic clearly shows that human activities are responsible for climate change. Now, is this going to get a little long, so bear with me on this, all right? Growl! <laughs> anyway, first we have Timothy Osborne, professor, University of East Anglia, and director of research of the Climactic Research Unit. Give me a second here. Hmm. The unpublished paper by... Kalpanen and Malmi is deeply flawed and that and the claims that one carbon dioxide has caused only 0.1 degree Celsius of warming and that two only 10% of this warming is from human activity are both unsupported claims. The paper should not be relied upon. Their claims are based on a chain of reasoning with multiple flaws. One, they claim that climate models cannot be relied upon but they do not demonstrate this. Number two, they instead make a new climate model despite this being in contradiction of number one. Number three, their new climate model is unvalidated. It is based upon data sets of cloud and humidity without any sources given and which are not up to date. They provide no assessment of the accuracy of the data used. These variables are very difficult to measure on a global basis over the time period used. No physical basis is given for the new climate model. That is, no process is given for how high a relative humidity can make the globe cool. Number four, they fail to consider cause and effect. For example, they assume without any support that a decrease in relative humidity is natural. They give no reasons why it would have decreased. They fail to consider whether climate change could have caused relative humidity to change. Number five, they state without 
Any support that most of the atmospheric carbon dioxide is increase is due to emissions from the oceans. They ignore anthropogenic carbon, carbon dioxide emissions, which are more than large enough to explain the full increase. They ignore observational evidence that shows that the oceans are net sinks of carbon dioxide at present, not net sources. And finally, number six, they dismiss the entire body of climate science, especially that there is a significant greenhouse effect, and instead cite their own work unpublished or published in journals outside the field. In reality, there is strongest in reality, there is strong scientific evidence for conclusions in stark contrast to those of Kalpanen and Malmi, namely that A, all the carbon dioxide rise is from human activity, B, that 100% of the carbon dioxide-induced warming is therefore anthropogenic, and C, that together with anthropogenic emissions of other greenhouse gases like methane, the total anthropogenic warming is around 1 degree Celsius. Now, I'm not going to go any further because it's going to start getting a little too scientific, so... Yeah, but I'll hey, let you, you can read it at your own convenience. If methane is part of global warming, mm-hmm. does that mean that all the cow, all the cattle that give off the methane gas is partially responsible for the global warming? Yeah, that's actually a possibility. I know it sounds crazy, but but it's like. Are you really that du- are you really that dense to try to publish a a a paper in an academic journal without getting it reviewed, thinking you're going to get it published? I don't think so. Hey, play the loser horn. That's a good idea because frankly, because frankly, that really is so so stupid. No. Yeah, basically for this guy. You are stupid. 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 And don't forget, you are stupid. <laughs> Let's not forget oh, that last line from Dexter. Yep. And don't forget, you are stupid. Yep. Okay. Excuse me. Oh, well, don't huh. get me started. Love... Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I'd love to live on the street no frickin' way. <laughs> <laughs> Who found it? Didn't, wasn't I shine the one that found it? Yeah. Yeah, in the meantime, there is something a little bit more serious to talk about. Um... Uh, Dragon Con's just 44 days away, and now we got a bit of a problem at one of the host hotels. Health officials investigate after reported cases of Legionnaire's disease at the Sheraton Atlanta. Oh, my. And I will tell you right now, the Sheraton is one of the host hotels for Dragon Con. Oh, no. Yeah. So here's the story, and this was this was updated less than an hour. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, we hear you fine. Because I had to go to external speakers, okay. so I could hang this down around my neck because these headphones are bugging my ears. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, uh, 
There's the story. Health officials and managers at the Sheraton Atlanta in downtown Atlanta said they are working hard to find the source after reports of cases of Legionnaire's disease possibly linked to the hotel. The cases have prompted a voluntary shutdown of the hotel. The Georgia Department of Public Health released the following statement today. Late this afternoon, the Sheridan Atlanta voluntarily decided to temporarily close until the source of the Legionella is located and remediation is complete. Questions about their decision to close and relocation of guests should be directed to the Sheridan Atlanta. State health officials are working with the Fulton County Board of Health and Hotel staff to find the source. Numerous hotel guests were seen looking for rides or walking with their luggages outside the hotel. Some said staff members disclosed a possible outbreak of the bacteria, while others said staff remained silent when questioned. There's a potential disease outbreak and nobody bothered to let us know, said a concerned mother with children and pets. They said just to leave the hotel, said another guest who said workers wouldn't tell him anything. Some guests said the staff relocated them elsewhere, while others said they had to pay for and find a different place to stay, which I think that's ridiculous. The hotel later told Fox 5 that all guests would be refunded. Ken Paduzzi, general manager of the Sheridan Atlanta, sent the following statement to Fox 5 News this evening. The health and safety of our guests is our greatest priority. We are working closely with public health officials and outside experts to, yeah, to conduct testing to determine if Legionella is present at the hotel. As a result, out of an abundance of caution, we have made the decision to close the hotel while we await the results. The Sheridan Atlanta is currently working to relocate its guests to nearby hotels. It is also reaching out to guests with upcoming reservations to assist in directing them to other nearby hotels. Guests, who, guests whose reservations have been canceled will receive a full refund. Now, Paducey told Fox 5 News while they took the steps to close the hotel out of an abundance of extreme caution, there is no direct evidence Legionella bacteria was present at the hotel. Now, here's where it gets crazy. The news comes about 44 days from the start of one of the biggest conventions in Atlanta. Dragon Con starts August 29th and runs through Labor Day. Usually that's more than 80,000 visitors, some who stay at the Sheridan Atlanta, in addition to the four other nearby host hotels. For the past several years, the hotel has been used as the staging ground for participants to pick up their access badges to the convention, meaning nearly every visitor to the convention passes through the hotel each of those years. Now, DragonCon organizers released the following statement this evening. The safety of our fans is the first priority for DragonCon. We are currently working with Sheraton Management to understand the situation, the solutions, and the time frames involved. The Centers for Disease Control and, and I think, hold on. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention lists Legionnaire's disease as a severe form of pneumonia and inflammation of the lungs, usually caused by the Legionella bacteria. While it can't be caught outside, it thrives in water supplies such as pools, hot tubs, air conditioners, mist sprayers, and more. It is usually treated with antibiotics. But if you don't treat it, guess what? It can kill you. I know that they... Legionnaire's disease got its name because they were. It started at an American Legion convention. Mm-hmm. And everyone fell ill there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was bacteria in the AC. If yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, and here are the symptoms. Here are the now Legionnaire's disease usually develops two to ten days after exposure to Legionella bacteria. It frequently begins with the following signs and symptoms: you got a headache, muscle pain, chills, and fever that may be 104 or higher. 
And by the second or third day, you'll develop other signs and symptoms that may include cough, which may bring up mucus and sometimes blood, shortness of breath, chest pain, gastrointestinal symptoms such as nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, confusion, or other mental changes. (sighs) Now, there's a mild form of Legionnaire's disease called Pontiac fever. Uh, now, it, produ- it may produce signs and symptoms including fever, chills, headache, and muscle aches. Pontiac fever, inf- Pontiac fever doesn't infect your lungs, and symptoms usually clear within two to five days. I would like to see that the hotel did the right thing. I would rather yeah. see them do, do that than be greedy, greedy asses. Mm-hmm. But keep us informed on that, will you? Oh, yeah. I'll keep you up to date on that because you know, this is important to everybody heading to Dragon Con next month. Even you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm heading there myself. But I will tell you the truth. After that, I will be taking a few years off because I feel like I've done almost everything. Yeah. Oh, my. But, you know... I would rather see the Sheraton err on the side of caution. I agree. Then have leave it. Mm-hmm. Sorry about the interruption, guys. No, it's all right. Hey, it's your fur babies. Nothing to, nothing to forgive. Yep. Okay, now, how would you like it when this happens? A baby was born on 7-11 day at 7-11 and weighed 7 pounds, 11 ounces. It's a small world after all. It's yeah. a small world oh my. after all. Yep. Please excuse my... <laughs> Don't worry about oh it. You're fine. Okay. Now here's, now, here's the story. This is from WSFA, but it's actually out of St. Louis. Rachel Langford had been seeing the numbers 7 and 11 throughout her pregnancy. She didn't realize it was foreshadowing. At 7-11, on the evening of July 11th, 7-11, Langford gave birth to Jamie Brown. Her birth weight, 7 pounds and 11 ounces. (laughs) Now, here's something else. I thought it was weird at first, and I didn't know that the numbers meant so much, Langford told CNN. A lot of the times during the pregnancy, I would look at the clock, and it was 7-11. Brown just happened to have been born on 7-11 day, the day the convenience store chain celebrates by giving out Slurpees. Langford, who also has a six-year-old son, plans to tell the chain about Jamie's timely birth. (laughs) God, that's funny. But yeah, when you think about seven, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a Seven Eleven in Montgomery anymore. So, <laughs> okay, now I remember oh I shine posted. I shine and posted this one. Someone modified a Roomba to shout profanities when it bumps into things. <laughs> Somebody had too much time on their hands. What do you think? Yeah, probably uh-huh. did. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, let me check something here. Okay. Anyway, uh, this was back in May, but it's still funny to see anyway. If you're anything like the writer, let me see, the writer, I don't, see, I don't know who the writer is, so. 
Yeah, I'm just going to use I'm going to use the words verbatim. So if you're anything like me, you probably hate the very thought of having to remove your butt from the couch in order to clean your home. Sure, it's great to have a clean and tidy house, but the effort it takes is often second to none. Let's say you've been working all day, but when you come home, your significant other says, "Oh, my parents are coming around tomorrow for dinner." Well, you better get your rubber gloves on because the dishes need scrubbing, the shelves need dusting, and the floor needs vacuuming. It's enough to make anybody let out a cheeky profanity here and there. However, have you ever considered getting a Roomba? You know, those small and versatile robot vacuums that hover that hover your that hoover your floors so you don't have to. They're made by the company iRobot, no, not that awful Will Smith movie, and cost a few hundred bucks, with some high-end models selling for nearly $1,000. But for some people, that's a small price to pay to avoid doing the housework. But just because the Roomba has been programmed to clean, it doesn't necessarily mean <coughs> it enjoys it. And thanks to programmer and YouTube star Michael Reeves, he's now created a more human Roomba that says exactly what the rest of these robot cleaners are thinking. By the request of his YouTube channel viewers, this technological genius created a, a screaming Roomba that would swear and curse whenever it bumped into things. Seriously, I've never felt more emotionally connected to a robot. <laughs> see, but as you, okay, now there's like several videos, and there's like a video up there you can look at your convenience. But as you can probably imagine, creating such a hilarious and complicated piece of tech was no mean feat. As you can see from the image below, Reeves had to do a lot of rewind. Get food robot to function as intended. Now, Reeves tested a variety of screens, voices, and curse words before landing on what he considers to be the final prototype. <coughs> Thankfully, the end result was a rumor that would start effing and jeffing all sorts of profanities whenever it collided with walls or furniture. Seriously, one heck of a conversation piece at your next dinner party. And Reeves followed oh, just as impressed. <laughs> And let's yeah, see. And I'm not going to sell the names, but that, I would love to get that Roomba and let it loose at my mom. Yeah. Let's see. Oh I would actually my. buy this model. Someone said, "Have you ever, have you considered making a version that just says sorry for the UK market?" And someone else says, "I need I need this to piss off my girlfriend." <laughs> and let's see. <laughs> I want so many of these to fill the silence that plagues my house. Growing loneliness. Let's see. <laughs> I think Reese should consider selling this product because I'd like to buy 20. <laughs> oh, boy, that's funny. Well, hey, this goes to show you. This goes to show you, huh? Mm-hmm, yeah. All right, let's see what else is going on. Oh, damn. What? I'm looking at the price of some of these headphones, non-gaming mm-hmm. headphones. Uh-huh. $195 for a set of Jabra. Ugh, I'll pass. No, but oh, it's Jabra. Bye. Normally it's $279. <laughs> it's on Prime Day. Yeah. And um, speaking of uh, Prime Day, I've got to send this picture because this is really going to make you laugh. Or maybe not. Depends on the point of view. So. Yeah, this yeah for some they could laugh. For others, we're not so sure. <laughs> Go right ahead. Okay. All right, basically, 
Basically, if the caption says, Prime Day has become too commercialized and everyone has forgotten the true meaning of the holiday. He died for you, people. And guess whose picture it is? Whose picture is it? Whose picture is it? It's Optimus Prime, who dies in the Transformers oh movie. <laughs> and with that, I just took it right in the trial phone. Yep. <laughs> oh, and someone yeah. out around Christmas time. Yeah. Oh, they have Amazon Prime. Guess what? It's basically Optimus Prime holding Amazon boxes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I like that. Oh, someone commented. Put the Optimus back in Prime Day. Oh yes, let's see. Uh, Barry, let's see. Barry, the tropical storm slash hurricane slash tropical storm slash tropical depression, of course, did a pretty good number on the southern end of Louisiana. But thankfully, New Orleans didn't actually suffer as badly as they as it could have. So, okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Okay, so let's see. Oh, listen to this. I know I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't need anything from Amazon today. <laughs> who said that? Who said? Oh no, somebody just posted a picture. Let's see, memes and FXer for leftist Gen Xers. <laughs> let's see. Let's see here. Oh, you guys see. Oh, no. What hmm. I wanted is currently unavailable, damn it. And speaking of crazy, um, speaking of crazy, um, <laughs> I, I found out Shazam was available for pickup at Walmart, okay? But here's the problem. I go to I go to the Walmart app and try to check in. Won't let me check in because like, oh shit, it's out tomorrow. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah, but at least I didn't go to the store. So. Uh huh. It'll be there for you tomorrow, girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Here's right, something interesting. Guys. Let's see. Here's That's something right. interesting. Uh-huh. Here's Look something interesting. Time. Oh. Okay. Well, I haven't seen her yet. All right. So, anyway, uh, here's something interesting. A, there's a deaf sign language interpreter who uh, speaks who speaks uh, more to his audience. because Now, like I said, he's a sign language interpreter, but he's actually deaf himself. So he can kind of empathize with the people in the audience. Yep. Exactly. So here's the story on that. I believe this is in Louisiana while Barry was going on. So um, 
Here's the story, and this is out of Gonzales, Louisiana. In some circles, the talk this weekend wasn't the storm, but the animated sign language interpreter who rose to viral fame, helping the deaf understand important governmental updates in Ascension Parish. Ari Latino, 19, the interpreter, is worthy of his newfound fame. Latino is deaf and is signing through his own interpreter in the audience. As a native signer, Latino was able to speak more directly to a deaf audience and can sign the messages more conversationally, perhaps even easier to understand for deaf viewers. He can essentially sign a dialect that a person who is trying to sign directly from what they hear may not be able to communicate. I really want to help the deaf people, Latino said through an interpreter in an interview with WBRZ on Saturday. I don't want deaf people to feel left out. I want the deaf to really understand clearly what's happening and not to have any misunderstandings or feel like they're in danger. Okay, I'm just checking. Okay. Uh, this weekend, Martin Latino's first time signing on live television, but you wouldn't know that because of how expressive and confident he was in front of all those cameras. The next day, they called me out to come again and go live, and that's where it really started getting more attention, I think Latino said. The passion in his signing was noticed well after the press conferences were over, making him a viral sensation of his own. Latino became the talk of social media, eventually leading to a now viral video of him singing over rap lyrics. It was kind of a funny video, and I felt... And I felt I feel like me signing to rap is kind of funny, but that's gone kind of viral, and it's really given me chills. Latino said, "Latino is interpreting for the Ascension Paris government through work assigned from the Deaf Focus organization. He says he's the first deaf interpreter in the state." Now here's the fun part: Latino's birthday is tomorrow, and he has one special request for folks donating to Deaf Focus through their website, deaffocus.com. Okay. So it's like. I like that. I like that idea. You know what? He he did a service, and he mm-hmm. what's it called? Deaf sir, deaf focus. Deaf focus. Yeah. And it's dot org, by the way. Okay, you said dot com. No, I said deaf deaf focus dot org. Okay. Oh, if you're interested, it even has a um, um, uh, uh, um, they even have a um, um, oh, celebrating 10 years. They have a gala, 81 okay. days, 20 hours, 51 minutes, 59 seconds. Ah. Hmm. Okay, now, here is what Deaf Focus is all about I'm on their website. Deaf okay. Focus is a nonprofit agency helping to make a difference with and for the deaf, deaf, blind, and hard of hearing community. We provide interpreting services, counseling, advocacy, community events, and much more. Deaf Focus staff try... Okay, let me back up. Okay. Whoops. All right. Welcome Thank back. You. You're welcome. Deaf, okay. 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 Deaf Focus staff strive to provide personal service and meeting the needs of the community. Deaf Focus aspires to work with community partners to continue the journey of change for better opportunities for people who are deaf, deaf, blind, or hard of hearing, and their families. That is what they do. 
Mm-hmm. I love this one sign. It says, warning, early exposure to American Sign Language, ASL, can cause long-term cognitive benefits. Okay, it's hard for me to read this one. Research shows that early onset and profound use may cause bilingualism, as ASL is considered a world language. Early acquisition to language leading to higher reading levels, better communication. And this is this. If your child has experienced any of these symptoms, keep signing. Hashtag keep signing. But you know what? That looks like a very worthy organization. Yeah. Its its main office is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ah. You know, is it? In fact, they give the address on the website. You scroll down. Mm-hmm. But that is a good thing. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Um. Remember last year that movie, A Quiet Place. Yeah. I actually well, have that movie, believe it or not. Yeah, well, guess what? According to John Krasinski, A Quiet Place 2 has started shooting. Woo! Oh, that is going to be good. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, it, it definitely will. Yeah, so... <laughs> Okay, oh, the release date for Acquired Place 2 is March 20th, 2020. So, Timmy might want to mark that. <laughs> 2020. Yep. That gives me March- plenty of time to watch the first movie. And time yep. for the second one to be ready. Yeah. I love how they start this off. Everybody shush. We have important news. <laughs> Good one. The sequel to last year's horror hit, A Quiet Place, has started shooting. The news was shared today by John Krasinski, who posted an image of the shoot's first clapperboard to Twitter. Krasinski co-wrote, directed, and starred in the original film about a post-apocalyptic world where humans are the prey of fast-moving creatures who track their victims via sound. Krasinski is also directing and writing the sequel. In March of this year, The Hollywood Reporter reported that 28 days later in Peaky Blinder star Cillian Murphy was in talks to join a Quiet Place cast members Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons, and Noah Jupe in the sequel. In June, the rap announced that Atlanta and Child's Play actor Brian Tyree Henry was also in negotiations to get on board the project. In some ways, the idea of seeing who these people were before this all happened would be interesting, but I'm not quite sure because I think it, I think actually it's now what's the next chapter and what happens next, Blunt said last year, speaking to EW about the sequel. I think people feel very invested in this family. I think it's such an open book right now, and certainly for John, who is lasering into something as we speak. A Quiet Place grossed $188 million at the domestic box office and $340 million around the world. may not seem like much, but it became a huge, uh, it's a huge success considering the time of year it came out. Uh, the sequel is set to be released, like I said, in March 2020. So, it's like, good. <laughs> I never did see the movie myself, but. I saw the clip and it scared the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want the crap scared out of you, you should see this uh, video that uh, a friend of mine shared on my wall this morning. 
It's a, it's a, I don't know how to describe it. It's a video that you kind of have to watch all the way to the end to get the, to get the laugh out of it. It's the footage, mm-hmm. footage of a ghost terrorizing a couple. Kind of think like paranormal activity, only it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tim, I see you and Rick like that link I sent to that haunted place. Yeah, his name is Mike. Yeah. Mike, Mike. Where do I keep thinking Rick? Because his last name is Rick Secker. Right. But anyway, yeah, he he actually has has spent has spent the night at the Elm, and he his video on the Belvoir Winery, he actually mentions it a couple of times. So I went and watched that video. It's actually a pretty good video. But anyway, it's a it's kind of some of the the, the videos of footage of ghosts terrorizing couple, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. put a link. I think everybody in the Facebook chat on my friends list, except for maybe mm-hmm. Dave, so he might not be able to see it. But go ahead and take just a moment while I look for something else I want. I wanted to to, to do uh, real quick. Hey, I gotta I gotta have some fun with this. Um, okay, Aries Snyder posted this today earlier because of course it is you know it's Amazon Prime Day. Actually, it goes today and tomorrow. Now, listen to this. Score! I just got one heck of a deal for Amazon Prime Day. Just ordered a heat wave for all of you and saved nineteen ninety nine in the process. Free and fast shipping music will be here soon, so let me know when it arrives. <laughs> no, my. You're excited being a cheeky little sausage, oh. huh? You know, uh, I, got two, I got two other uh, things that I want to say, too. Here's the first one. I have been to a lot of places. But I have never been in Kahoot. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I I remember that. Oh my. Apparently you can't go there alone. You Uh have to be in cahoots with someone. Uh I've also never been incognito either. I hear no one recognizes you there. (laughs) I have, however, been in Spain. They don't Uh have an airport. You have to be driven there. I've made several trips and I'm planning one in the near future. <laughs> I was doing that. That is fun. Yeah. In in cahoots, incognito, insane. Uh-huh. Yep. And the other and the other, the other thing is kinda of a little bit a little bit of a downer, but as much as I love uh as much as I love having my ghost hunting kit. It just takes up too much of my time, and I'm struggling to keep up with the everyday basics such as cleaning and maintaining my home. So something has to give. I will be rehoming my collection. But please don't ask any questions, as I can't handle talking about it. So here's a list of what here's a list of what's available, all free of charge, but to good homes only. Serious inquiries only, please. Thanks for your understanding. Here's a list. Dust pan and brush. Sponges. <laughs> dusters. Pop and bucket. Window cleaner. Hoover. Dishwashing liquid. Laundry detergent. Fabric softener. Laundry baskets. Toilet brush. Cleaning sprays. And scrubbing brushes. 
Well, I'm not going to be rude to you guys. Okay. I know. Because I know that's spring by Vivaldi. You know, I, I got a question for both of you. Janet okay. In Have you ever had in, in any instance in your life, you can go as far back as you want, when it's so hot that you wish your house was haunted just for the cold spots? Oh. <coughs> I can't say that I have. Oh, my. No, thanks. Do you, do you know, do you know the logic behind that? Do you know the logic behind that picture? What's that? You know, you know the room temperature is seventy-four degrees. Yeah. Right. Right. Have you? And let's say you're in a haunted building. It doesn't have to be abandoned necessarily. And we'll assume, for the sake of, of painting a picture for the listeners, that the room is room temperature, that's 74 degrees. And you walk over toward the other side of the room and the temperature suddenly drops down some 40 degrees instantly. Surely. Surely. And then you take... Yeah. Hold on. Let's let him finish. Go ahead. Okay. And then you take a step or two forward and you're back to room temperature again. Yeah. That would be what's called a cold spot. Ah, when surely. you encounter a cold spot, mm-hmm. that's the, that means that there's a spirit present at that location, literally, ah. standing right there. Mm-hmm. Sure. The picture saying, when yeah, it's Janet, so hot, hold on. When it's so hot that you wish your house was haunted just for the cold spots. Okay. Well, then come contact the destiny and chiller. That's exactly mm-hmm. what Tim is talking about. Yeah. Right. Uh. So anyway, mm-hmm. I have. I wonder if I've had cold spots around here. You know. Mhm. Never know. Excuse that. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my. All right, let's see. <laughs> Cute cat. Have we, have we, um, have we talked about Denise Nickerson yet? No, we have not. We need to. You're right. Okay, I. How about, okay, well, I'll go ahead and make this, this contribution real quick. This is not going to okay. be very super-duper long, but I'm going to wait for the actual. Okay. This is an article from WKYC. I think it's, I don't know where it's located. I'm going to put the link here into the Facebook group. I don't know if anybody's in the chat room or not. Uh, no, there's sure nobody in there actually. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of you probably watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when you were little. Mm-hmm. She was and, the one who liked to chew the wads of chewing gum. Yeah, she played Violet Beauregard, the one that was always chewing gum. Uh, her mm-hmm. actress Denise Nickerson was taken off 
life support and passed away the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and says, uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory star Denise Nickerson has been taken off medication and an oxygen pump after suffering a severe stroke, her family says. This is dated back on the 10th. Uh, this is all this is from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Uh, Dickerson, 62, played Violet Beauregard in the 1971 version of Willy Wonka. Dickerson mm-hmm. was taken to the ICU in June of 2018 after suffering a severe stroke and entered a rehab facility in 2018. Her son, Josh Nickerson, posted on Facebook Tuesday that she had undergone a major medical emergency and had suffered seizures. Her condition continued to worsen, and her family posted to Facebook Wednesday that they had decided to take her off all the equipment. None of it was helping but making her worse, they said. Her family has started a GoFundMe campaign to support death expenses. We don't know how much time she has. It could be minutes. It could be hours. But no mm-hmm. matter what, she's already gone, they said. We are sitting here with her just trying to keep her comfortable and let her know it's okay. Nickerson's son announced in March that he was expecting a baby girl with his wife, Jasmine. And the Facebook mm-hmm. post says, they just took off all the equipment. None of it was helping but making her only more uncomfortable. We're telling yeah. her it's okay to go. And then, as an up, yeah, correction, an earlier version of the story indicated that Nickerson had been taken off life support, but she was never on life support, but had been removed from medication and an oxygen pump. Well, on July 11th, the day after this article was posted, uh, early in the morning, you know, sometime early in the morning, uh, Denise Nickerson passed away. Okay. She yeah, that is Mhm. That is sad. But you know what? You know, unfortunately, you know, things happen for a reason, sadly. And you can't, you know, we can't stop the of life. And as nice as life support machines are, mm-hmm. they don't always help. And sometimes True. you're actually making people more miserable and more uncomfortable mm-hmm. by leaving them on the machines than by accepting that it's time to let go. And pulling mm-hmm. the plug because you right. don't want to see your loved ones suffer, mm-hmm. especially when the machines aren't helping. Yeah. Well, anyway, we are running out of time, so um, here's the here's what we got to, for the rest of the week. We got new car spell Tuesday tomorrow. Tim will be at the rabbit hole for usual. Wednesday Ooh. is our. Wednesday is our Food Fascinations episode, and this time we're going to go to the places you wouldn't suspect as being restaurants. Like, oh, no. Guys, hang on. I got a phone call. Uh, no, I'm not going to answer because I don't know. Any- no, that's Hunter. Hold Actually, on. I can answer this. Yeah, so. Actually, I just realized we're not having our show tomorrow, so I can actually be here tomorrow. You are going to be here tomorrow? Good. Yes, I am. I just remembered Mike's not, we're not having the rabbit hole tomorrow, or uh, the upside down tomorrow because he uh, has been out at Ocean State Paracon this weekend. So actually, I can be here tomorrow, but it'll be me being present as an exception to the rule rather than as the norm. 
All right. We'll tell Shirley that when she gets back. I hope my dog wasn't disturbing you. No. I'm going to see if I can find that video. Okay, I'm back. I am uh, so sorry about that. Oh, I had Shirley. To take that was my nephew. Shirley. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shirley. Jim has a little I, bit I, of news. Okay. I I just remembered that uh, because he's recently been out at Ocean State Paracon, we're actually not having the rabbit hole tomorrow. So oh, I actually okay. will be I will be present as an exception to the norm. Okay. Um, I'll keep an eye out for you this time. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, All you right, don't want so anyway. to leave me hanging for 10 minutes. No, no, I'm not going to touch for certain. Yeah, definitely not. But anyway, um, like I said, we've got New Car Smell Tuesday tomorrow, so Tim will be glad to have you there. Uh, let's see, we then our Food Fascinations episode, we are going to have the places you would never suspect be restaurants, like the Carson Union being a church, the Hillbilly Hot Dogs place, three buses. And then there's some really crazy places from all over the world. Yeah, so. you will not believe some of the places people have turned into restaurants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Thursday is the free-for-all, and Friday is the summer of Naughty Mad Libs. Yes, naughty. So, yeah, I am so. bringing all the naughties. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, please remember to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on our website, beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, there are three ways to catch up. First, there's the Stitcher.com app available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle store. Second, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com. And finally, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search in the podcast for Beyond the Airwaves, and you'll find many of our episodes there. So with that in mind, I'm going to say love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night. Sleep well, stay safe, start throwing a little bit over, and we'll see you tomorrow for New Carsville Tuesday. Shana, everybody. Shana! Buenas noches, mis amigos. And don't forget to stay thirsty, my friends. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, for the Pokemon fans out there, I don't catch Pokemon all the time, but when I do, I drink those out of yes. Stay catching, my friends. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that is all for tonight. Have a great night, and remember... You... I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up! And then we got this. I'm Groot. Mm-hmm. I'm Groot. Uh-huh. I'm Groot. Oh! And finally, I'm going to end, I'm going to pick the last one, and I'm going to do this one. We are going to make America great again. Poppycock! I beg your pardon. I said poppycock! <laughs> all right. That is all for tonight. This is a we'll see you tomorrow. On the next move. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Let's see. All right, in that case, let's get it. Here we go. This is a red alert, not a stroll around the deck. Move. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all for tonight. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Night, y'all. Take care, everybody.